Welcome to Searching the Catalog, a podcast from the Queen Anne's County Library. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Derek. And every month we pick a theme and then search for interesting, unique, or older books that fit that theme and come here to the library kitchen to discuss them. I choose an adult fiction and adult nonfiction title. And I choose a picture book, a J book, and a YA novel. Okay. And this month's theme is robots. Robots. Um... Last month we had a surprisingly good time reading about sports, and I was thinking that maybe it's because we were kind of new to everything, right? <laughs> maybe we were, neither of us are sport ball players of any sort, uh, but we do both enjoy robots just in general. Um, in books, in movies, and TV shows, robots are neat. Um, did you find any good robot books this month, Eric? Yes, definitely. Um, the very first one I read was actually uh, the graphic novel that I have chosen for this time. Um, they were all, they all offered a unique perspective to robots, which I enjoyed. So I guess I'll begin with, with the one I actually just mentioned, my graphic novel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I read One Trick Pony by Nathan Hale, and, uh, as our listeners might be familiar with that name, uh, he actually has Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales, which I know are very popular, um, which relate to history. But this book, One Trick Pony, is about a robot horse. So it starts off with three children, Strata, Augur, and Envy. Um, They're searching for technology because the Earth has been um, basically invaded by what seem to be alien creatures. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot of explanation for how they got there or why they're even there, but all we know is that they are taking up technology. So in order to survive, the humans have begun scavenging for the little bits and pieces that uh, have went undetected by the aliens. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the style. I think... It's another one of those graphic novels where they choose a limited color palette, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's like a publishing choice because, you know, it's, it's cheaper that way. Um, but the book is done in mostly black and white and also yellow. Mm-hmm. But I think all the illustrations... I mean, Nathan Hale has a way of illustrating that I very much enjoy. I think his character styling all looks very good, and all of the pictures are very coherent and easy to understand, as you might hear I'm flipping through the pages as I review <laughs> Um, and so, unfortunately though, right from the get-go, when they're searching for technology, they stumble upon this horse, and the horse activates, and somehow the aliens are able to detect the robots, I guess, you know, static electricity, I don't know, but they're summoned, and so the children are desperately trying to get away, and, well, since they have a robot horse, they figure what quicker way than on top of the robot horse. However... You see, the issue is, you know, the aliens are chasing the robot horse, so not the best way to escape, technically. Um, Definitely did not see the ending coming at all. I I was not prepared for that, Um, but it was was very enjoyable. It took a very short amount of time for me to read this one because I, I just kept the pages turning, like... Nathan Hale has just such a way with um, setting up his scenes and also the pacing that it never really felt like there was a lull or anything like that. Um... So overall, I highly recommend uh, Nathan Hale's One Trick Pony. It was a very enjoyable story about the future, and um, it ends happily. Okay, so, I was you about know, to ask. Yes, you yes. Said, <laughs> you did not see the ending coming. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? It's, it ends up being a good thing, but um, it was definitely one that, of course, I always want our readers to read to the end of the story, of course, if we're recommending these books. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I think it's 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 an ending that you two would at least want to see. Uh, maybe, maybe skip to the end and then read the beginning if, if that's what it requires of you. But 
<laughs> the, um, you finally get to meet some of the other aliens that aren't on Earth, and uh, it was very interesting to me. I'm just looking through this book here. But aren't I, the, do, I do like the art. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. His, his, his art is just, he has such a way. <laughs> uh, it's very... Like, it's, it's all very clean and clear, but there's a lot of, like, like the, um, the cross-hatching mm -hmm. and a little bit of maybe some stippling in there. Yeah. It just, um, it's, it's detailed, but it's all, it all flows very smoothly. And that, that's something that I've noticed with some of the graphic novels is it's very e easy to lose the action with, like, you know, if you're trying to really fill the page, but he does it in a way where he's able to fill the page and make everything very aesthetically nice to look at while also remaining legible. Mm -hmm. So, what would be your first book that you'd like to discuss? Okay, so I have All Systems Read by Martha Wells, and this is the first novella in the Murderbot Diaries series. Mm -hmm. um, and this is some something that's been recommended um, on like quite a few like sci-fi sites and um, forums that I frequent, um, and I just never got around to it, and I thought, well, Robots. It, it is a. Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's about good. time. Yeah, it's about time. It's just about. <laughs> might as well is what I was thinking. <laughs> I was trying to put that in a, <laughs> in a, a uh, slightly more positive, like, mm. oh yeah, time to read Murderbot. <laughs> but but I actually I liked it. I enjoyed it. Oh good. Um. So I think there's six books in the series. I, if I recall correctly, and um, they are novellas, mm -hmm. so they're they're quite short. Um, this is the first one, All Systems Red. Uh, what we have here is a security unit um, with a group of scientists on an alien planet. It has hacked the system, and it doesn't have to follow the orders it's given, and it uses that ability to watch soap operas that it's downloaded in its free time. Me too. <laughs> so, and this security unit calls itself Murderbot. Wait, it calls itself Murderbot? Yes. How did the scientist, you know, just keep going, yeah. I'm sorry. So it calls itself Murderbot. Apparently there was a, I don't know, it's a novella, so I don't want to spoil it. It's not really a spoiler. Okay, <laughs> I'll just keep going. So apparently um, it's it's been like, you know, out on jobs before, but apparently it suffered a malfunction on one of those jobs. Mm. And uh, and then called itself Murderbot? No, it murdered everybody. <laughs> oh. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see where the name comes yes, from. Yes, and then it got, you know, brought back in, and um, apparently it hacked its own system to make sure it never would accidentally murder anybody again hmm. um but it's still keeping this a secret from from the rest of the scientist team that it is now currently with okay um so some strange occurrences are taking place on the work site um and it's upset about this because it actually likes the science team that it's with so it likes this group of people strange occurrences are happening and it um is a little more savvy than, than the scientists on like something threatening and dangerous is, is afoot. Mm. Um, so now it's like, oh, I gotta, gotta save these stupid humans that I actually like. <laughs> like that's, how, that's basically... Can't um, murder them all this time. Yeah. Uh, it's a sci-fi action mystery in novella form, and it's a cute, quick read. Um, and I did like it. I think I liked it much more near the end when there were bits and pieces of the world that were revealed and the setting got much more interesting to me and and I finished it and I thought 
Well, I enjoyed that, and then I immediately ordered the next one, which is oh, called, yeah, good. which is called Artificial Condition, um, which I have also read. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it's like chips or popcorn. Like yeah. You just you read one murder bot, and you, <laughs> you just gotta get the rest of them. But how does how does All Systems Red stand on its own, just out of curiosity? Like, I think it's you... it's a I think it's a, a complete story. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah the 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 story the the plot that is set up is finished, mm-hmm. and then it, it's very much still sort of like and the adventure continues, but it could you know it could it could end like yeah. right there. I always like that in a series. Yeah. Uh, so currently, there there are I'm looking at my notes here. There are six Murderbot Diary books out, and uh, Martha Wells, who's the author, has gotten a deal for six more. Oh, yeah. So people love Murderbot. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, and if you like a bit of robot sci-fi fun with a little bit of mystery, then you will too. Oh, nice. So go and check out All Systems Red. Okay, and what do we have next for you? I'll do my picture book. Okay. <clears throat> For my picture book, I chose My Teacher is a Robot by Jeffrey Brown. Um, what I I always like it when the author also is the illustrator, just because, I don't know, it's, it's kind of fun to see um, someone create one whole cohesive, co- cohesive work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this, uh, Jeffrey Brown did illustrate it as well as write it. His illustrations, he chose um, markers for his medium, and I, I really appreciate that because they're, all the drawings are very vivid and colorful, and they just really are very bright. Mm-hmm. And I know my child brain loves a whole bunch of bright, uh, colorful pictures on the page, so definitely recommend that for in terms of how it can uh, keep attention just by its pure um, vivid beauty. Mm-hmm. But what's also really enjoyable about this is that it follows the story of Fred, who isn't necessarily excited to go to school and um so he gets to school and he encounters his teacher mr bailey and part of the reason why he wasn't excited to go to school is that he has a very vivid imagination himself vivid's the word of the day apparently Mm -hmm. and (laughs) (laughs) um and so he feels like that's stifled at school and because of that he views mr bailey as this like oppressive robot creature And so he, he, he actually is kind of convinced that his teacher is a robot. Throughout the day, they're going through their lessons, and, like, it's math time, and he's like, of course we start with math. Like, what else does a robot love more than crunching some numbers? And um, so what's cool to see, though, is they're all, all the kids are very rambunctious in his classroom and are very imaginative, and watching him figure out how to best address the needs of his children is interesting to me. Um well, the teacher, the fictional teacher, that is. Yeah. And Fred continues his theory throughout the day for various reasons. He finds evidence to support the fact that, um, that his teacher, Mr. Bailey, is a robot, except for the final assignment that they get for the day is a creative writing prompt. And he wasn't expecting that of a robot. Mm-hmm. He's like, robots aren't creative. like that, So he can't be a robot. Uh, what I very much enjoy is um, one of the very last pages there is a hidden Easter egg that Mr. Bailey has written on the board mm-hmm. that goes pretty much unnoticed by the children, and it's like a little piece in binary. Um, so you get that fun like play on, you know, is he really a robot or not? And uh, I hope you too can have the fun of searching maybe with your kids after you read the book and tra- putting, you know, googling a simple binary translator to ink- binary to English translator. Uh, and figure out what the hidden message is at the end of the book because I, I thought that was like a real treat and it kind of continues with the whole idea of, well, you know, we don't actually know who Mr. Bailey is, do we? 
do we ever really know our teachers? <laughs> yeah, it definitely has that feel. Like, you know, as a kid, like, seeing, like, encountering your teacher outside of the school setting was always so, like, wild and bizarre. It's like seeing, like, the elephant has escaped the zoo or something like that. And you're like, <laughs> what are you doing in the grocery store? You're not meant to be here. So, um, yes, I would like to recommend My Teacher is a Robot by Jeffrey Brown. Um, I very much enjoyed it, and I think your children will, too. And Jeffrey Brown's also, I'm looking at the back here just to double check, but I was right, because the, the art looked very um, familiar to me, because he also has done the, the Darth Vader and Son um, books. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the Jedi Academy books. And I know he's also done some, uh, I know this personally, because <laughs> I've read them, some uh, like adult graphic novel, oh. like sort of diary, um, memoir kind of things. Do you happen to know offhand if he illustrated those? Yeah, because he's a artist. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> and, the thing. I was. I, I, that's also what I really enjoy. Yeah. Like, it, the art is impressive. Yeah. It, it has like you know some slight amateur quality to it, which is nice to see because I am very amateur, so I can sort of pretend like, oh yeah, I could totally do this. Like you know, like when you. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no, I cannot write. My teacher is a robot. No, this is too good a book, but I can critique it. Yeah, you can critique and pretend. <laughs> you could write and draw that. It's like the J um, Jackson Pollock, so I'm like, oh yeah, I can I can sprinkle a little paint on the canvas. <laughs> but could you really? Could I? Yeah. Anyway, so more <laughs> robots. What do we have next? Okay, so I have the book that I'm gonna spend probably the the largest chunk of time talking about because right. I have. You look like a thing, and I love you. Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. Uh, this is a great book. If, if you take anything from this podcast, you know, right here in this episode, this is it. You need to read uh, You Look Like a Thing and I Love You. So the, the full title, uh, You Look Like a Thing and I Love You, How Artificial Intelligence Works and Why It's Making the World a Weirder Place by Janelle Chain. Um, and as, as that title implies, uh, this is a book about our artificial intelligence, how it works, and essentially how it isn't very intelligent at all. Uh, Janelle Shane is a scientist who creates AIs and teaches them to do silly things. And the title comes from trying to teach an AI to generate pickup lines. <laughs> um, so you look like a thing and I love you. I'm definitely going to use that next time. I mean, it's not, it's not bad. It's not bad. No, no. I, I, they might not understand, but you know, I think it's a great conversation piece. Yep. The, <laughs> the, the determination willingness is there. <laughs> Um, and Shane knows her stuff. Obviously, she's a trained scientist, but she also has a very remarkable ability to write in a way that everyone, even someone who is coming into the subject completely blind, will, will be able to understand, which is pretty rare, I think, for, for a lot of nonfiction uh, books written by an expert in the field, mm -hmm. um, especially one in the technology, artificial intelligence, engineering fields. Um, and so it's fun and accessible. And you're also going to learn a lot about artificial intelligence, mainly that they are, as she describes them, uh, little like toddlers. <laughs> um, there's a great section on self-driving cars and how we're not even close to ready for them yet, uh, because it's uh, a self-driving car's AI would have to confront any obstacle or situation that people do on any drive or commute and act accordingly. Um, but here's... Like, this is how, this is how she put it. Um, she was just testing AIs and trying to get them to recognize sheep. Uh, so she showed, um, the AIs pictures of, um, sheep, and the AIs would say, like, yeah, it's a sheep. 
We mm-hmm. understand. That is a sheep. Uh, and she showed them images without sheep and said, identify the sheep. And the AI were, was flagging pictures with no sheep, just like green, grassy hills. And then she realized that um, in the initial photos, there was always a sheep. But it was against a, a green background because the sheep were, like, you know, standing in a field or a pasture. So it wasn't an AI going, yeah, this is an animal. Like, I understand this. You are showing me a sheep. It was um, going, like, everything you are showing me here is a sheep. I understand a sheep is made up of green and yellow shapes mm-hmm. because this is, like, that's what's in the photo. Um, and then she she applies it to, like, okay, now try to imagine, like, a self-driving car. Yeah. <laughs> trying to do that. Has, has to recognize, like, stop signs, stoplights, different colors, roundabouts, four, four-way stops, <laughs> <laughs> lines on the roads, traffic cones, what a truck looks like. And then here's the thing, because that's already caused problems. There was an instance with a self-driving car, which had only learned how to recognize trucks from behind, so like the little square, mm-hmm. like this, like this is the back of the truck. Um, but a truck went like in front of it, so like car right here. I cannot, like I'm broadside. Yep, I'm miming this to Derek. So mm-hmm. car right here, and then like truck coming there, and it was going. Oh, that's a billboard, and it kept going. And yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> from what, what we know about AIs? Yeah. What you will learn about AIs from this book, you will say, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and th- it, this book has basically changed the way like I view AI. Not that I was ever a person who was like, you know, oh, the AI are going to, it's, it's going to be like the Matrix out here. Um, but I feel like most other books that I've tried to read about AI, for one, are not as fun and accessible as this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for two, um, they sort of talk about, you know, the, the exact matrix situation that I just described, like, oh, the AI are gonna, you know, the robots are going to take over and, you know, wipe out the human race. Um, but according to Shane, you know, AIs are about as smart as a worm. They have a worm <laughs> memory. Um, and from some situations described in the book, they just kind of, they act like little toddlers. Um, and the real danger of AI is that she, that she talks about is relying too much on it or believing that it can do things that it can't. Um, I could, so I could talk about it all day. I, I love this book. I think it's great. Um, Janelle Shane knows her stuff. She's a PhD in, in electrical engineering and a master's in physics. Um, but what I think is really more rare is that she can relay that information she's talking about in a way that makes you... Uh, the person with no education in the subject matter whatsoever understand what she's talking about. So read You Look Like a Thing and I Love You. It's a very fun, funny, fun, educational book. Um, And especially read it if you're worried about rogue AI and robot overlords because you're going to be much calmer afterwards, (laughs) I promise you. Yeah, I had the fortune of reading just the first few chapters of this book, and I agree. The way Shane explains everything is it's just very straightforward and understandable, and I don't know, I I think... I don't know much about coding myself, mm-hmm. but it's almost... <laughs> as much as I am now an artist after having <laughs> read My Teacher is a Robot, no, I am I a could, coder. Could code. <laughs> yeah, totally. I could do that. I'll make an AI. It's yeah. fine. Don't, don't ride in that car, please. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, very good book. And then, so the book that, um, this was actually my final book. Uh-huh. We, we, we decided that when we talked about sports, we were so enthusiastic and talked about so many novels that this time maybe we should try and focus a little bit more. Yeah. I think last time we were just so excited to find so many good books about sports. I, I, I yeah, I didn't, 
don't sport. <laughs> <laughs> don't sport. Don't read book about sport. But with this, um, we, we found very good sports book last time. And so for my YA novel, I chose um, Frost by M.P. Kozlowski. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm going to cut in right here real quick say I am very interested in this because I, I recommended this book to Derek because I remembered it mainly from the cover because I was like, oh, Derek needs a YA book about robots. And I was like, oh, yeah, Frost, because it has the, has the mechanical hand with the rose in it. And then I could not remember a single thing. This isn't a bad thing. De Derek really liked this book. And apparently I really like this book because when I went to check on Goodreads, <laughs> for my rating. Uh, apparently, I read this in 2016. I gave it four out of five stars, which is very high for me. We, uh, Derek knows this. Um, but but I, for the life of me, I cannot remember anything about this book, except that apparently I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yes. And that I remember that cover. You're definitely not the only one. Mm -hmm. um, I perused the Goodreads, you know, uh, reviews just because I'm always interested in what other people have to say about the book, whether or not, you know, clearly I agree with some and don't very much don't with others. Mm -hmm. But there seemed to be a general consensus in which a lot of people were hoping for a sequel. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how the author would do that, and I don't know if he's ever actually going to come out with a sequel unless maybe he needs a little bit of money or something. Mm -hmm. But, um... Uh, the book the book was so good that there there is a legion of people out there who are waiting for a second book that is yet to come out and probably might not ever uh, well you figure they would be you know with these YA books and their trilogies and whatnot they would be on top of that yeah no that is a pretty common thing for the YAs but like the way this ends I don't know it gives you that ambiguous ending mm -hmm. where you're not exactly sure of what happens but it definitely gives you like some concrete like this happened but you don't know where it's going from there and my assumption is that a whole bunch of people wanted the answer of, well, where are we going from here? Yeah. Uh, but what, what is it actually about? <laughs> yes. The book starts off with the character Frost, mm -hmm. who was so named after um, one of the final Frosts her parents actually ever experienced. Mm -hmm. uh, the world has fallen to apocalypse, and the sky is constantly grayed. And it's, like, kind of alluded to that there was, like, a global warming event that sort of went on. A lot of the times that any of the characters blame what the current environment is like, it comes down to the human actions and what the humans had developed and done. So it's not ever clearly exp explained how we got to where the world is, but we're dealing with an apocalypse society where the buildings have crumbled and now everyone's kind of like disorderly and very much struggling to survive on their own. There's not a whole lot of communalism or anything like that going on. There's very little community. So anyway, we start off our story with Frost and she's in her apartment building where she's been living for the entirety of the 16 years of her life. Her robot Bunt comes back and informs her that they are running low on supplies in, in their surrounding area. They've been scavenging for so long and he's pretty much taken everything that he can. So with her dying dog, mm -hmm. she, well, dog creature. Mm -hmm. So again, with the whole humans have created a whole bunch of technology and random things, apparently they also created these genetically modified creatures named brutes, mm -hmm. which are more or less just giant dogs that are very angry. And she took one in when she was really young though, and was able to show that it, she was able to domesticate it basically. Mm -hmm. And now she's very concerned about him because he's dying. And so she's determined to get to what they call the battery. It's this blue glowing light in the, dis in the distance that she has seen, and there's like a, like a vague fable about the potential of like civilization, mm -hmm. and she hinges all of her hope on that. So, with her robot and her dog uh, being 
dragged behind them on, on, on like a little dolly. Uh, she makes her way south towards the glowing light in hopes that she'll be able to save her dog. Along the way, though, as happens in the apocalypse society where there's not much order, uh, she keeps running into a whole bunch of different challenges, whether they be humans that are regular humans that are just basically struggling to find resources themselves and fighting over what limited resources are left, or the eaters, which are these humans who, for some reason, have succumbed to a disease mm -hmm. that, like, basically zombifies them, mm -hmm. but not in the sense of, like, you know, like, contemporary zombie, I guess. Or, well, what, what is a contemporary zombie? Anyway, I'll just define <laughs> what an eater is. Um, so the eaters are humans who are still capable of, like, human thought, pretty much, but they go... They're, they're crazed by their hunger. Mm -hmm. And one of the features that's common with these eaters is the first part of their body that they lose is their tongue because they, they, they consume it mm -hmm. in uh, an attempt to feed their hunger. And so that's one of the um, obstacles she's encountering, the humans, the eaters. And then to put that on top of that, there's also the good John Lord who uh, has actually managed to create what is the semblance of a society. But once Frost actually gets there and witnesses everything that's going on, you realize that it's actually just like, he's, he's, by one of the characters, he's referred to as a terrorist. And I very much think that's an apt description of who this person is. So she's making, she, basically it's a story about Frost, who is this little girl who's trying to save her dog and encountering all of these trials and tribulations created by technology and nature. And well, sometimes nature influenced by humans. So there's a whole bunch of running themes of what humans should do, the limits of science, um, and there's definitely some philosophy involved with it. I haven't mentioned her robot bunt actually contains the consciousness of her father. Mm -hmm. uh, we find that out very early in the story, and that itself brings into um, question a whole bunch of, I guess, metaphysics, what is a human? Are you still a human if it's just your consciousness that's been placed into this machine and things like that? There's so much to ponder and the action keeps coming to where it never really feels like it lulls. I, I, I read through this in one day, which, well, in the time of one day, I read it over multiple days. Uh, but as Jasmine knows, that's very impressive for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I am a slow reader and while reading for the podcast has made me a little bit quicker, um, th this this book just... it. It was like, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, something very easy to do. It just came naturally. Yeah. And I read one review that where someone complained about the writing, and personally I was appalled. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is one of the best written stories I've actually read in a while. And it's really cool because uh, Kozlowski actually started off as a teacher mm -hmm. who just happened to write uh, this book. Um and I don't know the descriptions and the way the his English is it it's just it was it was refreshing yeah. glad I recommended it to you yes no this, I this am... book that I have no memory <laughs> of but I mean it sounds like I, I did make a good recommendation because you, you, you really enjoy it yes. from what you're talking about which I still have no memory of but it all sounds good but it really seems like a, a, a you sort of book with these robots and the metaphysics and the philosophy and nature versus science and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by it. And then so, we come to your final book. My final book. Um, Robots versus Fairies, which is an anthology edited by Dominic Parisian and Nava Wolf. Um, 
so we've we've discussed anthologies before in our Tales and Tales episode. Uh, they tend to be a, a mixed bag because you're getting different authors and different styles and different stories. Uh, but at the same time, that's the entire point of an anthology. Um, and here you're getting a, a lot of different stories about robots, fairies, and sometimes robots and fairies, that little sci-fi fantasy mix. Uh, the, the whole idea is that the authors basically chose um, which side they thought was cooler, to be honest. Do they, they like robots? Do they like fairies? Uh, write a story based on that. So each one, um, even if it's like the, the robots and fairy mix, it's one's a little bit it'll be more robot or more fairy than the other, so it, it alternates between like, the, here's a robot story, here's a fairy story. Um, so we have 18 short stories, just about fairies, just about robots, and the have the authors who have mixed it up a little and did that sci-fi story with some fairy elements and some fantasy stories with robotic elements, and all in all, this is pretty good. Oh, nice. Like, you know, and that's rare for me, too, because you know how I feel about anthologies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like every time I say, you know how I feel about this, <laughs> that I don't like it. <laughs> so, well, so. I don't, and sci-fi fantasy mix can be hard. It, it, it is. It, it's a very, I feel like it's a difficult thing to do. It's a fine line. Yeah. A balancing act. Yes. Um, I do think that the stories at the beginning are much stronger. I feel like the ones near the end are a lot more like uh, fairy tale retellings. Mm. Um, off the top of my head, there's a there's a Peter Pan reimagining. Uh, for uh, the fairy side and a sort of like reverse Pinocchio for the robot side hmm. and you're tilting your head with interest and I was just like mm, it's not my thing Ooh, I'm but, trying but to... that's, the, that's the thing about anthology see I'm telling you <laughs> and you're interested and I'm like no we're going the, the beginning I said the beginning is the good part not, the, not these ending stories um, yeah so the very the very first story I think it starts off very strong with this first story uh, called Build Me a Wonderland by Seanan McGuire um, which is about a fantasy park with, you know, malfunctioning mechanical pixies and unicorns. It's, it's like a, you know, you're, you're walking into like a fantasy wonderland, but it's like everything's robotic. But, you know, mm. people are also still have to work and make sure, like, make sure the little mechanical pixies are like, you know, fluttering around the, the big life fairy tree just so and stuff like that. Yeah, the just, animatronics. Yeah, I thought it was, um, uh, and it's just about like one of the employees um, that's working there. Um, and, and she gets a, uh, there, there's like a visit from, from, uh, what do you call it? Not an accountant, but it's somebody like trying, trying to be like, how can we make this turn up, you know, turn the best profit? And she's mm. like, come on, look at these mechanical fairies. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> look at this place. Look at the, look at the unicorns. Look at the, like, what's wrong with you? This is, you know, fantasy wonderland. Like, is that where much of the conflict exists then? Um, and this one, there, there's a little bit of a twist to it, so mm -hmm. I won't spoil. But okay. I think I think it's a very good one. Uh -huh. I think it, it starts off very strong. Um, and then there's one called Ironheart by Jonathan Mayberry. Um, the main character is a, a veteran who is a cyborg, basically. He has mm -hmm. mechanical parts. Um, he's living on a farm with his grandparents. The farm robots are so old that they're starting to shut down, and, and he himself is shutting down because... He, he's just ill and you know he has to take medicine to make sure his mechanical parts don't like you know his body doesn't reject them but he's not very well um and he keeps getting worse and worse and that's another one see it's hard to talk about these short stories too because i can't spoil them but mm -hmm. i i really liked this one um just a sort of sort of sci-fi slice of life kind of thing i was just going to say it sounds like the first two stories had 
slice of lifey feeling to it, which might be why we're leaning a little heavier towards. Yeah, because we all know I like I'm a I'm a fan of the slice of life. Mm-hmm. I just like you know people doing their thing, going to going to school, going to going to fantasy land, yeah, doing, yeah. you know doing work at the the magical <laughs> fairy park with the little mechanized pixies and stuff, or you know a, um, a, a farmhand. Um, you know, living with his grandparents, tr- trying to figure out what to do with these uh, farming robots that keep shutting down. He's worried about, you know, what will his grandparents do um, with when they shut down, and uh, what is he going to do because his health is failing. You know, just just the sort of um, the the setting is is a little more sci-fi or fantasy, depending on. But the uh, the conflict is is very much still like, you know, this is just somebody going about their, their day. Yeah, living their life. Um, which I feel is, it, well, this next one is different. This mm. one is not Slice of Life. So this is, um, I think this this might be my favorite one. It was a very, it was a strange one. This one was also more, more horror. Mm. Um, so this was Sarah Gailey's Bread and Milk. Oh, Bread and Milk and Salt. I'm sorry. So Bread and Milk and Salt. Um, and this is one that's on the fairy side with a bit of mechanical, which I thought was very interesting. Um, I think it's, it's probably the standout for like the most... I think it's the most original and most well-written, in my opinion. Um, and I'm a fan of Sarah Gailey, so that's also influencing me. I'm biased. Mm-hmm. I'm biased already. I read their alternate history novel, River of Teeth, about wild hippos taking over the Mississippi River uh, and the team that's hired to get rid of them. That was good. Mm-hmm. And so I saw their name pop up in here. I was like, ooh, this is going to be good, because I, <laughs> I already liked River of Teeth. Um, and bread and milk and salt is good. Uh, satisfying horror story where the main character, the fairy, um, it, they're they're one of those fairies that spirits people away, like they're you know mm. like the old you know scary fairy. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, the fae, the fae child robber. Yes, and trapped by an even bigger monster, a human. Oh, oh yeah. So how the tables <laughs> turn. Yeah, how the tables turn. So that one's um, that that that's that's just a very good one, I think. Um, yeah. So all in all, I think this is a, a pretty decent anthology. Um, neat concept. A lot of fairies. A lot of robots. Um, and if you like sci-fi fantasy, I think you ought to give this one a shot. I don't think I might pick that up actually. Yeah. I'm I'm interested in. I'm sorry. I just need you to explain this real quick. How how is it reverse po- Pinocchio? Like when he lies. Like- oh, so Pinocchio is a well. Regular Pinocchio, uh-huh. um, traditional Pinocchio, a <laughs> uh, little little wooden puppet who wants to become a real boy. Uh, reverse Pinocchio, and from, from how I'm defining it from this uh, short story, is uh, a tale of a, a human boy who realizes he's living among robots uh... and wants to wants to also become a robot. See, I was I was thinking like you know like when he lies his nose grows. I was like when he tells it the truth, everyone knows somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah. I'm into it. Okay, so we've talked about a lot about robots. Yes, we have. So time to wrap it up. I think so. Let's do our our usual thanks. So, thank you once again to the Canons Kent Island <laughs> staff for letting us steal the kitchen again. Um, I hope you enjoy our guest star refrigerator that you might hear if uh, you know Hayden. Uh, Hayden does his best to do our audio editing, and we are so grateful for that. Uh, um, the, the hum of the refrigerator is just always here. <laughs> it just adds a je ne sais quoi. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you, Hayden, for doing all of our editing, and thank you for listening.
And uh, what's what is next month? Next month, uh, well, Banned Books uh, Week is in September from the 26th to October 2nd, so we decided that we would go with the theme of... Banned Books? Yeah, yeah we're gonna, seems apropos. Yep, we're going to take a look at some, some banned, uh, frequently challenged, and controversial books. And that, that really should be fun. Yeah, sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll also be a little shorter because we're going to be recording that one early. Because mm-hmm. uh, I am I'm going to go on vacation. Yes, a well-deserved one. Yes. Um, so slightly shorter than what we have today, probably. Because we're only going to do two books each, I think. Yes. Or, yeah. well, was it two? I'm only doing two. You will find I mean, out when I'm we only, record the podcast. I'm only supposed <laughs> to be doing two. Um, but, but as we see here, like I'm, I'm always doing three or four. I, I just can't stop. It's hard. It's hard to stop reading. Anyway, thank you for listening, and we hope you can't stop reading either. (laughs) All right, have a good day, everyone.